going on, everybody? Welcome to the first official episode of the Wavelengths Podcast. I'm Stephen Heimers. Today we have Jacob Luz- Jacob Lucas, owner of the Sports Wave, Yeston Harris, and host of the Card Runner Podcast, Chris Mullen. A big show talking about all that is NFL free agency. And I want to start with you, Chris. What are some moves you liked and some moves you didn't? Um, so I will always support upgrading your offensive line in free agency, especially for needy teams. So two guys off the bat, Corey Lindsley to the um, Chargers, great move. They need offensive line help to help out Justin Herbert. Um, that was their biggest thing they could have done this season was get him a good center he can rely on for the next three years. Was I think it was a five-year deal, actually, excuse me, which is great. He's kind of old, so that kind of pros and cons. Um, Joe Thune to the um, – the Kansas City Chiefs as well on a $16 million per year contract. Uh, great signing by them. It would have get them away from guys like the Jets or the Patriots who may have been willing to pay more money. Um, this is what you get when you play with Patrick Mahomes and you've made the Super Bowl two times um, in the past two years. So I like that signing. Trent Williams, I um, also like that signing. I know it's six years, already 33. It'll be 39 when this it ends. You can't get rid of the best left tackle in football um, and let him walk in his prime. I think you lock him up for the next six years. Like he'll he'll take a slight nose in production, but that's nothing compared to having a bad left tackle. You rather overpay for a mediocre one that he'll become a mediocre tackle through age than just have a bad left tackle for the next six years. Um, and then one non-offensive line that I like because I I am more on the side of not spending too much in free agency uh, is Carl Lawson. Not because of the value he gives, but the value he he got in respect to other edge rushers. Uh, I thought he was the best edge rusher in the in the class. Um, that didn't go back to his original team. So like um, Shaq Barrett and all those guys, like they don't really count in my opinion because they were going to go back no matter what. But um, I think Lawson was the best signing um, for the rest, um, only because of what Trey Hendrickson got versus the money that he got. I think it's clear to me at least that Lawson's a better player than Hendrickson. And Hendrickson went to the team Lawson left, and Hendrickson got paid more money to go to the team he left. So it kind of confused me as to why the Bengals didn't end up just paying Lawson more money and keeping him on the team than getting a worse edge rusher with less production overall. Overall on time, not that year. Um, when you could have talked with the guy that was younger, better, and had a better grades through PFF and other pass rushing grades. It just didn't make much sense to me, which is why the Jets got a seemingly good deal uh, for a guy that could have fetched more money because of the Trey Hendrickson deal. I, I guess moves I don't like, Trey Hendrickson. Um, I know I I am baffled as to why you let one of your best editors leave and then pick up another guy for more money who's not as good. It was baffling to me. I didn't really understand it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, thirteen million dollars is ridiculous for Nelson Aguilar. Um, I know we've seen some wild contracts, but that is terrible. Nelson Aguilar does not deserve thirteen million dollars. I don't care what production he got from, um, the Raiders. He's gonna be the guy now in in um Pitt. Not Pittsburgh, uh, the Patriots. That guy is not someone who deserves thirty million dollars. And I think the Patriots overpay to become better. And if they get a ring out of it, great. They did a great job. If they don't, they did not do their job, and therefore, GM Bill Belichick deserves to be fired. That's not going to happen. He'll retire after Bill Bel- GM Bill Belichick fails this badly. He'll retire. Um, but that deal is terrible. Uh, next, I have two Giants deals up. Not that they're bad players. Like, they're not bad players. I just don't like the money involved. Uh, Leonard Williams gets $21 million. That puts him in the top five edge rushers or de- defensive linemen at all. And he's not that. 
Um, I know he had a great season last year, but that's one-year production versus his bad time with the Jets. And look, we have bad coaches. It's fine. Like, I understand the, the change in production. I'm just not willing to pay a guy like that $21 million. It's just after two tags as well. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Adore Jackson, he got cut and got paid more than he got cut for. Like he was his cap hit was ten million dollars and he gets to pay thirteen million dollars for three over three years, which usually you don't pay the guy more money than he gets cut he gets cut for because the whole point is to save money when you cut a guy because he's not worth the value he's playing at. And to pay a guy more money to come to you than the value he's playing at his old team, especially the position of need for his old team, doesn't make much sense. I think a Dory, if he can stay healthy, can be a great player, a good player. Um, but as of right now, I don't think he deserves that money. And then Kenyon Drake, two years, eleven million. The contract is like okay. Like you know, I don't like paying running backs anyways. But the fact that you have Josh Jacobs already, and then you're paying Kenyon Drake, um, to be almost a second to to first string running back makes no sense. You have already invested a first round pick into your running back. You already have. So that doesn't make much sense. And then my overall don't like is the Raiders. Um, you took your one week, your strength you had, and you kind of just kicked it to the curb and destroyed it. Uh, Ronnie Hudson, Gabe Jackson, um, Trent Brown, all gone. You were good because of your offensive line. You were able to give Derek Carr time to, to, to chill in the pocket and make his reads, and he gets a good quarterback this year because of it. You've taken that all away. You've taken the safety blanket away. So you're basically saying sink or swim to the guy you've had instead of just working on like what you are good at and then building on what you're not good at. Instead of you've not built on what you're good at and you've destroyed what you're you destroy what you're good at and you're not building on what you're bad at. And that makes you a, you're next to make you a bad team. So we'll see how long the, the Gruden magic lasts in, in Las Vegas before fans are chanting for his firing. Um, but I think it's sooner rather than later. Jacob, I want to ask you the same question. What uh, moves did you like and what did, what didn't you like? Yeah. So um, like starting with what I did, like similar Chris, I love the Joe Thune signing by uh, Chiefs. I thought it was a great pickup, good position need. You get a great guard out of it. You pay him a good bit of money, but I think that he, you get what you're paying for with him. I think that you're going to get some great protection from him. And then I really liked the Falcons signing Mike Davis. I think two years at $5.5 million is a great contract. I think you get a good quality running back out of it. I think in McCaffrey's absence, he showed that he might not be the best running back to like throw the ball to and everything, but I – or. No, I think they actually throw the ball to him a lot. I think I'm excited. Sorry. Um, but no, I think he's a great running back. I think you get a good value or good running back. You get a great value out of the mix there. Um, and then in terms of what I didn't sign as a Giants fan, heard what Chris said, but it's up there for me. Leonard Williams contract is huge. You paid him way too much money. He had a great season. I think he'll perform at a high level again this year, but I think you paid him way too much money for that. And then I didn't like the um, – I'm going to kind of combine two contracts here. I didn't like the Patriots' Jonu Smith-Hunter Henry signings. I think that you pay uh, – I think that paying – they paid Jonu Smith $50 million and Hunter Henry $37.5 million. I think paying $87.5 million for two tight ends is crazy. I don't think that is going to end up well for them. I really only think you needed one of them. You didn't need both, and I just think – that's a t- that's a huge cap hit at a position where you just did not need to add the depth you added. So, Yestin, I want to ask you a similar question, but change it up a little bit. 
the teams that spent big this offseason, do you think that it'll translate to success in the 2021 campaign? I mean, I think we can look uh, largely at the success of teams that have previously spent big in free agency. I mean, over the past two, over the past 10 seasons, the no team has spent more money than either the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Jets. And just how many playoff appearances have those teams combined for? How many reasonable winning seasons? I mean, how often are they mentioned in the top 10 dra- of the draft order every single season? You, over, you spend big money in free agency because you can't find discounts. It's not because you don't want to. It's not because you're not willing to look. It's because people will not sign a player for your team for less than they are worth somewhere else. So you, uh, you start making moves like the Patriots do with, but they're paying two separate tight ends, $12.5 million a year. You can't have $25 million per year wrapped up in a position at two B-tier tight ends. You can't uh, expect that consistent level of success that you've had all over all these previous years because you don't have the capacity to find the guys able to give you that success on a budget. So I don't think that big spending equal is directly correlated to success. It is a way out. I mean, there's only two ways out of a dumpster fire, and that's you either buy your way out or you draft a franchise quarterback. And I think both those teams are sick and tired of trying to draft franchise quarterbacks. If they have, I, I, I like what the Giants did to a degree. They spent a lot of money trying to, you know, for finding players that could be franchise cornerstones at positions of need, but they'll need to see a lot of success from over the next two to three drafts to turn any potential winnings from these deals into long-term success because they need to start picking up cheap contracts that are from effective contributors immediately, or this is going to be a blip at best. I may add something, uh, uh, like as a Giants fan, it's all going to be up to how Daniel Jones plays. If Daniel Jones does not perform at a high level, or if Daniel Jones does not perform at just like a mediocre quarterback level, if he continues performing how he has been, this money is going to be worthless. I completely agree. I think that uh, you you need to you need to expect at worst mediocre play from your quarterback in order to be a competitive team. And if you can't get better than that, then you need to either find a solution or blow it up and start again. And I agree with the sentiment um, that you mentioned. Like this is this rise on Daniel Jones. This is basically a test of Daniel Jones. This doesn't work. He's getting replaced next year. If it works, he's staying. That's that's really what it is, right? I would agree to the sentiment if most of the contracts weren't multi-year deals. Because at that point, no matter if Daniel Jones is good or bad, you're locked into those deals to support Daniel Jones, right? So if like if it's like a bunch of one-year deals, like the Patriots did a lot of the times, but or or another team that had a quarterback controversy, a lot of one-year deals prove a deals like prove it with my quarterback. If you can't compete with my quarterback, I given the quarterback all the tools he can have, he's not good. All right, I'll get a new one. I'll reset. You can't reset when you have so much cap. Um, hardened in um, on these deals, these multi-year deals, because it takes too much money out of you. You can't financially support that. So if Daniel Jones fails, your team is already talented enough to win games so you're out of the top five, top ten, and then you become in a position where you can't draft the top two, top three quarterback because your team's too good to have that ability to draft that quarterback, except you're trading instead of trading up massive assets, 
And then by the time you trade those assets, the, the other contracts run out, and then you don't have enough money to pay those assets. It's not a good cycle to be in, right? So like for the Patriots, for example, they say a lot of guys on one year, two years, they give Cam one or two years or whatever they draft behind Cam one or two years. If they don't like it, they're able to reset. The Giants give three, three or four, four to three-year deals. You can't just reset after a year of Daniel Jones because you've begun to be too good, even if he is mediocre. Sure, you go eight and eight. You go sorry, eight and nine, nine and eight, and you maybe make the playoffs. Maybe you don't. That's not the goal. The goal is not to just make the playoffs and see what happens. The goal is to win the playoffs. And if you can't do it with Daniel Jones being mediocre, you have to replace him. But you can't replace him if your draft pick's not high enough. So I think a lot of teams who spend big on multi-year contracts, I guess in the Giants' case particularly, with a a questionable quarterback, it's going to be a lot harder to reset that timeline with a new quarterback. It'll evidently get McCagnon fired. It might even get the head coach fired. I know we we love him. I I think he's a good coach. That doesn't matter. Um, he if he had to co-sign on these deals and say yes, I want these guys on my football team, and it doesn't work. That might be his head in the chopping block too. And you may see the Giants completely sweep it out next year if that doesn't work. And if I had to guess, I don't know if Daniel Jones can play to the potential he needs to to push the Giants into a new stratosphere of winning, to get them over the hump to where they can justify McCagnin's moves enough to keep him on the Giants. If they go 8-9, and nine, I would see McCagnin getting fired and not their head coach. If they go... Six and six and eleven, five and twelve, even even seven and ten, I think both have the a big chance of getting fired. So I think you've allocated money in a long term way with a not long term, possibly a not long term solution in your quarterback. That's going to create a really bad mismatch um, in the possibility of getting quarterback. Luckily for the Jets, the team on, on the same stadium. They're having their quarterback controversy now when they're already picking a top position so that they can still spend enough money in free agency and then replace their quarterback at the same time if they choose to do so. So they're, they're, they're lucked into a good spot where they have the money, they have a quarterback issue, and they can fix it in the same, in the same, seat, in the same offseason. The Giants not going to have that for a long time if, if he plays mediocre and the Giants can get that top 10 spot. Yeah, I find that's such a consistent issue um, with teams that remain mediocre to bad over the long term. I mean, as a Bills fan, I'm well versed in this. Um, is that if you if you can bring about enough success to make your team reasonably competitive, then you're still never good enough to win the chip, which is the ultimate goal. And if you're not good enough to win a chip, but you're not bad enough to get a good draft pick, then you don't realistically have a shot, have a shot at cheaply turning around your team and giving them some long term success. You know, the only way that you really can force success in a scenario like this is if you happen to be lucky enough to be a destination of a potential blow up at a quarterback position on another team, i.e. Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson. And realistically, they're not options. Those are Hail Marys, um, where you throw everything you have at a team and hope that they're willing to accept your you know, six or seven draft picks and a couple of players. And realistically, those people know what they have and they won't. And even so, you still need a top pick to trade for those guys. You can't like leave the Seattle Seahawks high and dry for Russell Wilson. Yeah, we'll take and we'll give you pick 20 or we'll give you pick 15. Like, yeah. no. We need a quarterback still. We can't get one of those positions. You're not going to screw us over. We still need a quarterback. So the only teams in the top five, top 10 can really make that deal because 
that's where they can get quarterbacks. So even even still, if you're sitting at the 15th pick or the 17th pick, like say, for example, the Raiders were really good this year and Derek Carr played eh, and they made it 17. You want to move Derek Carr, but you can't because you don't have a high enough pick to move him. It just gets to a really sticky situation where you're mediocre, but you can't get out of mediocrity because you can't replace the thing that's making you mediocre. And then if you do try to make that if you do try to make that trade you need to give up such a significant amount of capital that would allow them to trade up for a high pick or you need to make the trade for the high pick first which is a huge risk because you can't even guarantee that they'll still yet say yes if you get it yeah and i mean i feel like russell wilson's a perfect example like the bears are offered them three first rounders the bears first rounder this year is the 20th overall pick you're not going to get a quarter you're not going to theoretically get a franchise quarterback with that pick but they're going to get Russell Wilson. And then their next two first round picks are probably going to be also around 20, if not worse than 20. So it's, it's really Hail Mary is the perfect way to phrase it. Like people are like, I'm, I've heard some people say, I'm shocked that the Seattle, Seattle didn't accept that trade, but you're not going to get a replacement for Russell Wilson with that trade. So why would you accept it? They're also not being forced, exactly. right? They, they made minor upgrades to the offensive line. And Russell Wilson is not forcing himself out like Deshaun Watson was before the allegations came up, right? He's not – they're not – they don't have to play their hands. So they can wait till they get something they like. It's not really a, a big, like, point of need. They have to move them, like, instantly. So you're not going to find a team that's that's back 10 trading for Russell Wilson because they just don't want the pick. Yeah, and I think it brings up an interesting situation like all three of you touched on. Quarterback's so important, and you need to build around the quarterback. But if you think you have the right guy, but he isn't, and you dump a lot of money into the offense, and then it doesn't work, what do you do? You're stuck you in cap trouble. You don't have a quarterback. And like Chris said, if the Giants are mediocre enough and they get a 15 to 20 pick, you're not going to get anyone there. You're going to get someone at a position that you still need, but you need a quarterback ultimately in the NFL. So it's a real fine line that now the Patriots have to walk the giants, the Raiders. I, I don't think they're in a real situation to contend like Chris said, blowing up the offensive line. So I think that they would have the best chance to dump Derek Carr and get a better pick next off season. But I would almost guarantee that if next season goes bad for the Bears, you can really see John, John Gruden get fired. It's it's not like a a distant reality. Like if they do bad next year because of the moves they made this offseason, because they weren't in cap hell, they weren't in cap issue, they were fine. You can really see that group of that group getting fired, all of them, completely cleaning house. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation in Las Vegas because, like you said. Their best piece, they got rid of three of them. Josh Jacobs was a talented running back. They brought in someone that's going to take away snaps from him. Derek Carr is always being talked about being traded. Al, Al Galore is gone. All they have is Darren Wallen left. So it's an interesting situation in their brand new stadium and with the coach that they thought would be there for the long haul. But now we're not sure. They didn't add anything on the offense. They only got rid of, like Chris said. So I think that the Raiders really need to show it this year or a blow-up could be in the very soon future. Going off of the Raiders now and Derek Carr always being talked about, this offseason, 
probably more than ever, there's been more quarterback moves, Goff, Stafford. Is there one in particular, Jacob, that you liked the most and think will lead to the most success? So the offs, their offseason was interesting for the Rams, so I'm not really sure how it's going to go. But honestly, my favorite quarterback move was the Rams trading for Stafford. I think that Stafford is a great quarterback that has been trapped in a terrible system in Detroit, and I think that it's good for him to get out of it. And I really think that he could bring some huge improvements to the Rams. He could lead the Rams into the playoffs. But it's going to depend on how, you know, the GM, that, uh, how the GM and how McVay, so what they surround Stafford with and how they manage the offseason. And so far, it's been an interesting offseason. It's hard for me to tell how it's going to go with the moves they've made. But I think that Stafford's been the best quarterback move this offseason. Yeah, and I think like a, a quarterback like Stafford is the dream for any team with a mediocre quarterback and a good offense. Like that's not going to happen again for a long time. You're not going to see a guy like Stafford getting traded for a good amount of time because of how of a niche of a kind of situation that is a good quarterback who's aging deserves to stay on his team, but he doesn't want to anymore. And he was able to get a good relationship with that team and get out of there. That's like a blessing for a team like the Bears or like I guess the Rams or. Teams like that where they need to upgrade and they can get it for relatively cheap. Um, the one I like the most is um, Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think they got him for relatively cheap, a first and a, a, a third, provisional first and a third, or a second, whatever it was. Um, if they can revive um, Carson Wentz, and I don't think it's a distant possibility that they can. You don't just go from MVP to nothing because you're bad. It's because something's gone wrong. If they can revive him to at least somewhat of what he was, that makes him a contender automatically. They already have a good enough base roster, maybe beside receivers and an offensive tackle, to compete at the highest level. If they can get the quarterback right, which they've been missing this entire time, they've been playing with mediocre guys and making the playoffs. It's, it's, an, it's astounding how far they've gone with these mediocre guys. If they can get a good quarterback out of Carson Wentz, they are legit contenders for the, for the Super Bowl. It's not a doubt in my mind with the coaching that they they have and and the the great deals they've made and the great trades and the great draft picks that they'll continue to make. There's no doubt that they can make it far, really far if Carson Wentz succeeds. If he doesn't, it's also not going to really bounce that back badly on them because look, it's a flyer. The guy is maybe good, maybe not good. It's a risk insurance trade to where if it goes well, sure, it goes great. It's awesome for you. You look like the smartest guy in the world. If it goes bad. Well, everyone expected to be bad. He's already bad before he came there. I think the same thing will happen with Sam Darnold if he is traded. What I have heard from guys connected to the Jets that he will most likely be traded after the pro days are all done for all quarterbacks. So, um, or April is my best guess. Mid-April, right before the draft, is my best guess to when he is traded. It, it'll be like the same thing. You, if if he works out great, you got him to the potential and the smartest guy in the world. It doesn't work out well. He was always a bust, and you only lost like what a third or second round pick. So I think those kind of trades are what will look like the best in the long run because they are low, low risk, high ceiling kind of trades. I think that on, on the topic of bargain shops, uh, another one that I think is probably a little more than he's worth in the long term, but uh, he's, he's shown that he deserves to be there is Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Um, and we have yet to see a much from Jameis Winston after his um, eye surgery. And 
the fact that he's sat behind Drew Brees for a year and took sort of a get right year to prove that he's worthy of his job. Um, and he waited for Drew Brees' inevitable retirement. Now he's going into a situation where he's got a pretty high caliber offense all around him. And he's proven before that he's the kind of guy who can throw for 5,000 yards if he could just cut down on throwing some of those yards to the other team. Um, I think that um, they, they, gave him a, they gave him a dirt cheap deal. He's getting $2.5 on the cap this year. And then he's getting um, $1.5 million on the cap over the next two years after that, um, even if his contracts, even if they don't pick him up. But I think that he's got real, a real chance to succeed in an environment that he's already familiar with. And um, it costs the Saints virtually nothing if it doesn't work out. Um, and I think that we might be seeing a similar kind of deal um, with Mitchell Trubisky going to the Bills as their backup. He knows he's not going to start over Josh Allen, but um, he turned down significantly more money from other teams to choose a get-right year where he can essentially establish himself a little more, get his game right, and come back next year and find the the right deal for him and a potential to start long-term. Yeah, I was going to say, Chris, I would probably put the Carson Wentz one, and then, yes, and I would put the Jameis Winston in New Orleans 1B because I think that those two moves more so Carson Wentz I think the Colts are definitely in win now mode and we're a few pieces away and with Philip Rivers I think they almost got to their full potential but I think if Carson Wentz can even be 75 percent of what he was back in Philadelphia in their Super Bowl run I think that they're a, a serious threat in the AFC South for sure but in the AFC as a general so the last thing I did want to talk about, and I want to start with Yeston, what big move that hasn't happened yet do you think is going to happen before the draft? Oof. Okay, that's quite a loaded one. Um, I think that someone, someone has to deal one of these new big contracts. I mean, there's, 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 there's been a lot of money put down this year um, that prorates into future years. Um, a, lot of, a lot of guys took the, took the cap in and said, you know what, let's just push it back and uh that's that's that someone is going to put themselves in a rough position and i think they leverage that trade down out of the first round someone's going to be someone's going to be holding on to a lot of cash right here and a lot of years on a contract that does suddenly doesn't look so good and the you know the, the, the guy they wanted isn't going to afford them and they're going to need to push back and we're going to see one of these big new contracts get dealt to another team before they take a snap I, I have a feeling it's going to be a wide receiver. This wide receiver market's been absolutely awful. Um, if both, if you are a receiver and not the only one who's been paid as big as as big as his wildest dreams has been Kenny Golladay, he's likely the only one contract that might actually be worthwhile here. Um, I could very much see a, a player like Corey Davis, um, potentially Nelson Aguilar, get moved before they take a snap for their team simply for the value that you've put down on a contract for a player that might not be entirely worth it. And if the right guy or the wrong guy falls in the draft, then I can see a team moving on. Yeah. I would, I would say for my big move, I would expect to see him move in the, into the top five in the draft, either draft night or before the draft. I think it's inevitable uh, with teams like the dolphins, the the Falcons and the Bengals not needing quarterbacks with, with such a great quarterback class. Um, even if the Jets decide not to, 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 to draft a quarterback and say with Sam Darnold, you have four teams there who don't need a quarterback or don't anticipate drafting a quarterback. You can see a team like the the, the Broncos, um, the Panthers, the Eagles, um, 
the Patriots. You can see any any of those teams um, moving up and taking a quarterback. And like you said, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce off of you. If the Patriots deem that the, the fourth pick is what they want, they can trade maybe a Matt, Matthew Judon or something like that, a value that they just brought in as a trade piece to a team that maybe needs an edge return, like, like per se, the Falcons would. Um, now, I, I don't think the Falcons could afford that contract, but maybe another team um, like the Bengals or the Jets um, to trade for a positional value that they need and then those picks. I think it is likely, it is almost cemented that you will see a team trade into the top five. What I also think is likely is Sam Darnold will be traded uh, before the draft. Um, names I would keep an eye on, Panthers, 49ers, Broncos, um, bet, um, sorry, um, I'm, they're missing my time, my name, um, Bears, that's what I'm thinking of. Those four teams is what I would bet on. I don't really see anyone else in those sweepstakes. I would especially watch Denver. I think if he goes anywhere, I think it's likely Denver for a second-round pick and maybe a player on top of it. I, I would expect that to mid-April, to happen around early mid-April. Yeah, so, I mean, if you asked me, like, a week, 10 days ago, I would easily say Deshaun Watson trade's going to happen. With everything going on, who knows? I I think the Eagles are going to deal Zach Ertz somewhere. I think the Steelers are a prime candidate to get Zach Ertz right now. Um, but I think the Eagles are going to deal Zach Ertz. They don't look like they're going anywhere. They could get some good draft capital for him, maybe a player in return. Who knows? But... I think the Eagles are going to get rid of Zach Ertz for the draft. See, I thought that if the Eagles were going to move Zach Ertz at the value that they were stuck on, it would have happened a couple of days ago. Um, but the market's gradually dried up. And if they do move him, his value dropped. They're going to have to start accepting a fifth rounder or later in order to get, get his contract off their team at this point. Yeah, they No, you're right. His value is definitely hurt, but I still think they're going to get rid of him because I still think they're going to take what they can get for him because they're going nowhere. They need something up. I honestly think they'll settle for a fifth rounder right now. I think they just want him gone and a pick in return. Yeah, they need that draft capital much more, even if it's late, right? Early round pick. They need it a lot more than they need an $8 million tight end who's aging and didn't play a whole lot last year. I do have some uh, information from one of my guys that are connected with the Jets. Um, that just came into me expect the entire house to be at the Zach Wilson pro day on Friday. Um, expect assistant GM, GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, pass coordinator, expect everyone. Um, and at the measurements, it's more about the measurements than the play. If that all works out, um, you can almost guarantee Zach Wilson's the pick it too. Um, if not, you can almost bet on Sam Donald coming back. I think it's between those two and I don't think it's anyone else really. I mean, again, we'll see how the, the Justin Fields pro day goes, but it's one of those two things. If the if the measurements don't look good and the testing doesn't look that good, you may see Sam Donald come back or Justin Fields switch. If the numbers come back decent, he actually is six foot two, six foot three. He actually runs a good number. He passes well. He runs through the drills very well in a pro style offense. That's the pick. The last thing I did want to say, piggybacking off of what Chris just said, is any team time place that's all i wanted to say about what i want the jets to do at quarterback and that is the end of episode one of wavelengths a big thank you to jacob yestin and chris
Thank you guys all for coming and listening. I will be back on Thursday with an NBA trade deadline show. And then Friday, we're going to have an MLB preview. So we will talk to you guys then.